Welcome to CX Today with me, David Dungay. I have with me today another David, Mr. David Campbell, VP of Product Marketing from Sugar CRM. Welcome to the show, David. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Excellent. Well, today we're going to be talking about CRM and uh, fulfilling those uh, customer experience promises um, you know, that we've been, we've been seeing from the, from the business community. But before we get into that, uh, David, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and Sugar CRM? Sure. So um, let me talk first about uh, Sugar CRM. So obviously we're in the, we're in the CRM business. Uh, we're a cloud-based software provider of Salesforce automation, marketing automation, and customer service solutions. Um, we also have a number of different products that uh, add uh, additional value uh, to, to those solutions. So uh, a lot of different product products from our company. In terms of myself, um, I'm responsible for uh, go-to-market planning and execution around our products. So who we sell them to, what the message is, how we price them, sort of the overall strategy of once you have a product, how do you actually make it successful in the market? Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, look, where should we start today's conversation? Um, you know, it's a big, big topic. CRM, um, you know, is becoming, uh, you know, the center of a lot of businesses and how they interact with, with those customers. Um, but, uh, you know, is the CRM industry fulfilling its, its promises to, to business customers today? Um, where, and where, where do you see those problems? What are the challenges you're seeing at the moment? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, in light of a survey that we recently did, and, and to answer your question very directly, it's fulfilling the promise for only about half of customers, it seems. Um, we did a survey, we released it in a report, it's called the CRM and Sales Impact Report. Uh, and what we did for that report is we surveyed a thousand uh, global sales leaders, cross globe, uh, um, along a lot of different industries. Um, and the key most salient point uh, that came out of that was about 52% of these sales leaders say that their CRM system is actually costing them revenue. Um, and it actually goes up in, in certain industries like finance and healthcare, it's up in the 60% uh, range. And if you think about it, for the from the value proposition of CRM, that's a heck of an indictment, right? That that half of them believe their their CRMs costing them money in terms of lost revenue opportunities. In terms of problems, um, when we delve more deeply into that statistic, uh, we uncovered a lot of things, but we boil it down to one thing, and that's the high maintenance platform. So, you know, CRM's been around for about twenty five years. And in that time, uh, well, I would say originally the value proposition was very much a management focused value proposition. So Mr. Sales Manager, if you can get all of your sales reps to take all the information they have about their customers and put it in the CRM, then you will no longer have post-it notes all around your, your uh, computer screen. You'll, you'll be able to have all your customer information in one place. You'll be able to keep track of your sales processes and your reps and what they're doing with each one of their customers. And um, you'll be able to uh, understand your customers and have a single source of truth. And, and that's a great value proposition. The problem is it puts all the effort for maintaining that on these end users. And for them, the people doing all the work, 
it ends up being more effort to feed and maintain this system than the value they receive and return it. At best, they only receive whatever they put into the system. And sometimes they get less than that. Um, and then also, a lot of these platforms historically have been difficult to either get to work in the way that the business needs or to play nicely with other systems. So companies end up adapting themselves to their CRM and their end users end up being the integration between the CRM and these other systems by you know cutting and pasting data between them. And then finally, there's kind of the human element of this. So yeah, the CRM industry has very, very large uh, software players. And, and unfortunately, some of, the, some of these players have developed a very poor reputation of putting their own interests first, uh, you know, under delivering on promises and kind of playing shell games of pricing and, and contracts. So, so companies end up feeling trapped with this CRM that doesn't exactly work the way they want, that requires a lot of care and feeding and a vendor who doesn't really care. Um, so we, all, we just bubble that up and then this is a high maintenance platform from many different angles. Yeah, I mean, agility in the CRM space right now, uh, surely that, that's going to be paramount for that, for that very reason, no? Well, it creates opportunities, right? <laughs> for, for people who think there's a better way to do it, uh, which we believe there is, um, it creates opportunities to create uh, better situations for companies. Okay, so um, for those uh, viewers looking for that report, we'll make sure there's a, a link in the description below so you can go and have a look for, your, for yourself on, on that. Um, but David, you mentioned you know 50%, sometimes more in certain industries of, of businesses are you know not entirely satisfied uh, you know with their CRM system. They're not, and they're adapting it to their system rather than the other way around. Um, but how much is this costing? You know, poor utilization and uh, unsatisfactory solutions. I mean, what is the real cost to business? Yeah, it's very, very large. Um, it's difficult to measure comprehensively because it affects so many different areas of the business. But let's just look at one area, customer churn. So uh, churn ends up costing mid-market companies, the kind of companies that Sugar focuses on, about $5.5 million a year. Wow. But the really scary part of that is that same survey I've referred to, that revealed that about 57% of these companies have trouble predicting exactly which customers will churn. And that goes up to 72% in, in financial services. And about half of those companies, they don't know why those customers churn either. So they've got this thing that's costing them $5.5 million a year on average. Um, and they don't really know how to deal with it. Wow. So from, I mean, that, that's, that boggles my mind, David. From a, from a skills perspective inside these organizations, you know, what, what is going on there? Then, you know, who's taking control of the CRM? You know, are these businesses just not, do they not have the right skills in-house to, to really utilize it? Or is there another reason this is happening? Well, it's, it's a combination of things. So one is that... Um, one is it's a problem of scale. You get a lot of customers and keeping really good tabs on all of them is very difficult. Two, it's a problem of uh, process and maybe uh, organizational discipline. So in order for these systems to work, you actually have to use them as a system of record and put all your data in there. 
And then the third aspect, and probably the one that we as a company certainly are most concerned about it, is the systems themselves aren't helping, right? So if you put all that data in there, you need to be able to process that and automatically surface the problem accounts so that companies know, ha have a good idea of which com uh, customers are likely to churn before they actually do, so that they actually have time to do something about it. And then they also need to be able to surface exactly why that churn is occurring so that they can take the right corrective measures. Yeah, I mean, so you, we're talking about some interaction, uh, customer interaction data there. You know, this is obviously uh, incredibly important to businesses. Um, you know, tell us tell us a little bit more about, like you mentioned churn there, um, but having that view of, 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 a, of a customer, that those previous interactions, you know, um, you know, how important is that? Well, it's vitally important um, because most CRMs are really great at telling you the current state of things, like how many cases, support cases, does this customer have open? What uh, sales opportunities are in play with this customer? That, that sort of thing, giving me current status. Um, where they tend to fall down, down on is how did this customer reach their current state? You know, what set of things happened uh, in the timeline that made them go from being a very happy customer to being a very angry one? Or uh, why exactly is this customer so much of a believer in us? Why does this customer buy all of our products? What are the set of things that we did to get them there so we can replicate that and do that over and over and over? Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, when it comes to data, I think we can probably both agree that um, there seems to be an abundance of data, you know, everywhere right now, you know, really utilizing that data, um, you know, can be can be an issue for some people. Uh, we're seeing new technologies coming into the sports. I say new, they've been around for a while now. Uh, technologies like AI, for example. Um, you know, how, I mean, how is AI impacting the CRM space? Uh, you know, what, what kinds of advantages is, is technology like AI, uh, you know, giving organizations today? Right. So, as you pointed out, David, you know, this customer data, when you, when you start thinking about, particularly when you would take a historical view of customer, that, that data set is enormous. The sheer volume of data makes it really difficult to analyze and tease out the biggest insights, especially for a human being, right? If you've got to go and mine a database or put it in some kind of BI tool or, or I guess the worst of all worlds would be trying to get something out of it through Excel or something. Um, that's very, very difficult. And the larger the data set, the harder and more impossible that becomes. And so AI represents a way to make that a lot easier. One, it's automated, right? Person doesn't have to do uh, anything. Uh, two, it never stops. It's always analyzing. So it's continually analyzing the data. So it's dealing with the latest data, the latest information at any time. And the great thing about AI versus other kinds of analytical uh, technologies is it learns and adapts. It figures out what's really important, what the correlations are, and when it thinks it knows something, it can devise tests to determine whether or not it actually does. So it can the, the same thing that a uh, that an analyst would do in, in terms of playing what if scenarios and testing assumptions and, and confirming them. 
that's what AI does, but continually in, in the background. So what we've done in a capability that, that exists in many of our products today uh, called Sugar Predict is we've taken AI to look at historical data. Uh, we we kind of go one step further in that we take the CRM data that companies have and we augment that with data that we get from external sources. Uh, so we actually have contracts with data providers. And what that does is if you have gaps in your data, which many companies do, or if there's in, inconsistencies or, or um, inaccuracies in the data, augmenting that data with data that's sourced externally can actually improve it, improve the quality so that the AI analysis can do a better job. And then we use that in order to make predictions. We surface that as like very, very simple features. So for example, uh, one, one AI based feature we have is, is called, um, it's called a lead, uh, conversion prediction. And it basically looks at every lead, compares it to history on leads that have converted into wins in the past. And based on the similarity to those historical wins, it will make a prediction about the likelihood of this lead to win. And in that way, it helps uh, sales reps prioritize the leads that they that have the best chance of success. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, actionable data, isn't it? Um, being able to actually pull out insights from that data and act upon them is, um, well, that's that's the that's the gold dust, right? Um, so absolutely, I, I wanted to I wanted to ask you actually. So there'll be a lot of um, end user customers, um, you know, at at home or at home or at work now, depending on uh, their situation. Um, you know, they they might be sitting there with a CRM system, thinking, well, I've I've got something in place. I'm not really sure if it's. Um, you know, doing the right job or not, you know, getting lots of data through it, but am I making the most of that? You know, where, where do you start? When it comes to CRM, where do you start that journey of, of um, I guess, deciding we need to take this somewhere else, we need to evolve? How, how do you kick that process off? Well, I think, I think you have to be very pragmatic about it. Um, you need to understand exactly what parts aren't working obviously, first of all, and what the impact of that is from either a revenue or a cost standpoint, right? And focus in on the on the problems, the, the long poles and the tent, the, the problems that are costing you the most money uh, or losing you the most opportunity. And then you need to evaluate whether you have the right processes in place, whether you have the right skills in place. And then finally, as kind of the last thing is evaluating whether you have the right technology in place to solve those problems. And at the point where you don't, that's when you should actually be looking at, uh, at, at new solutions. Cause, um, I'm not a big proponent of changing things out for its own sake. Um, my, my sales VP would probably, you know, want to strangle me for saying that, but, but, but it's actually true. You, you, you want to make sure that it is in some way limiting your ability to perform or that the anticipated changes that you foresee in your market, you, you don't want it to paint you in a corner with respect to those either. So there does have to be sort of a, a future look uh, at that. And and you brought it up, the, the pandemic economy uh, is going to introduce changes uh, to the way we work. It already has, in fact, that will be permanent. Uh, as well as changes that we can't foresee right now. Yeah. Um, so companies need to start looking, I think, a little bit more at adaptability, right? We don't really know all of the future. And so CRMs are going to have to be 
highly adaptable. They've got to be systems that can be modified, extended, and integrated with other systems in in your company, or they're going to paint you in the corner. They are going to become you're going to become half of the part of the half of the people for whom CRM is actually costing them revenue. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned, you know, adaptability there, you know, as, as a, you know, an increasingly important factor in, in choosing your, your CRM provider. I mean, look, looking ahead now, David, you know, um, CRM and, uh, and delivering the, that, that customer experience, you know, how, how big a part of, of, uh, of delivering that customer experience do you think CRM will, you know, ultimately play, play in, in the, in the future? Oh, I, I think CRM, is going to play a big role, and here's why: it it is still the hub application in customer experience, right? Um, having a single source of customer truth and management is, you know, almost undeniably a great thing to have. So I foresee CRM as continuing to be to have this sort of centralized role in customer experience for the foreseeable future. Um, now, the nature of that is going to change. I, I think that over the next few years. You're going to see CRMs put more emphasis on on really three things. The first is the adaptability I was talking about. The second is going to be communication channels. So, if you think about it, customers communicate with their with their vendors, the companies they do business with, in a variety of ways. Right? There's all your traditional ways like voice uh, or uh, over the web or over email. But then there's uh, more uh, later later breaking kinds of ways that they communicate with, with companies like chat or over their mobile device or through social media or even through like Internet of Things devices uh, in the case of B2B is actually a, a big play right now. The pandemic has made this even more the case because people are obviously stuck at home. And here, here's the thing this is going to be driving this. Customers expect that when they have a conversation with a company, it's not all done at once. A, cust- a conversation can be long and extended, and in customer's case, can occur over multiple channels. They might open up a, a case with you on your website, but then want to talk about that problem on your Facebook page. Um, and they expect you to be able to keep up with that. So CRM systems are going to have to be the tool that allows companies to treat all of those communication channels the same and to, to unify it all behind one system. The third, the third aspect is really AI. We talked a bit about it, uh, but AI is going to be the way in which companies deal with scale, whether you're talking about really large data sets or lots of customers or many and varied processes and activities. As the scale and complexity increase, you know, humans reach our natural limit to deal with that. Uh, and so AI is going to be set to the task of helping companies deal with that complexity, not by replacing people, but by offloading the, all the busy work of analyzing the data to extract the bigger insights and providing that to people so that they can make the higher order decisions. It's uh, and that's that's an interesting point you make at the end. I think for a while there, the uh, the implication was AI might replace some of those agents, but actually, um, as you, as you say, it's it's uh, a lot of people are using them to aug- augment um, their agents, so they can they can focus on those those high value uh, interactions, if you like. I mean, is, do you feel that message has really seeped through the industry, or is there still that fear lurking in the background that you know AI is is here to take those jobs? 
I think that fear is very much present. Um, and it's a natural fear. And, and, and I think that people are, it's not surprising that they're, that, that they have that. But if you stop and think about it just a little bit, the, the AI allows you to focus on the things that are higher value in your life. So let me give you an example. So, you know, I've got my phone, right? Um, the, a phone has some of the most sophisticated AI around, right? I go and I say, hey, Siri, right? Get me information uh, on on David Dungay because uh, I'm about to do a, a podcast with him. And rather than me scouring the web, instead, I give a barely coherent sentence or question to Siri and Siri figures out what I want and gives me a lot of pretty good results. There's some there's some noise I have to weed through, but there's a lot of signal in there too. Yeah. That's it. There's a lot of AI going on to figure out what you said, what you meant, what your intent was, and what information is actually going to be fulfilling to you given given your intent. Um and that's all just very, very transparent and it made my life easier. Excellent. Well, uh, um, I, I think I'll be asking Siri that very question once we're once we're finished, <laughs> just to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, D- David, I yeah. think you know that's that's a that's a great place to end uh, today's conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it very much. And thank you for watching. You've been watching me, David Dungate, on CX Today. If you like today's conversation, please give us a share and a like on social media. It's much appreciated. That's it for me. I'll see you next time.